Hello, I'm Amber Lowther and welcome to another episode of Fashion Avenue. I've been blogging at Fashion and Beauty for nine years. I also work as a journalist and I've always absolutely loved the industry. While I do love pretty dresses and head-turning shoes, I also love some good activewear and streetwear. In saying that, today I'm chatting to Tully Humphrey, founder of premium sports and streetwear label Tully Lou. It hasn't been an easy ride for Tully after being diagnosed with anorexia and depression as a teenager. But now she's a passionate yoga instructor, designer, health and wellness writer and all-round inspiration. She's changing the lives of women and empowering them to get up and live healthier, happier lives. I chat to Tully about how she turned an idea into a business, overcoming her illness and one piece in her line that everyone needs. If you want to hear all of this and more, then make sure you keep on listening to this episode of Fashion Avenue. Tully, thank you so much for joining me on Fashion Avenue. How are you going? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. You're welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you because you have done very well for yourself with your own label. And I really want to know if we could go back to maybe young Tully. What was she hoping to become? Oh, man, young Tully. So I kind of was always into fashion. I grew up, my mum, anyone that knows me and is listening or has seen my mum know she is like a trendy, like probably the trendiest person I know. And I kind of grew up around that and always kind of walking into her wardrobe and putting together outfits. And mum was like this crazy woman that would dress me and my, sorry, my sister and I in like matching outfits from shoes to hats, to bags, and it was kind of like this thing that she'd always do. So I kind of grew up loving fashion and being involved in it. But I think when I was super, super young, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew I was passionate about fashion. So, yeah, that's kind of where I kind of got into fashion and all that kind of stuff. But growing up, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wasn't like – I hear all these stories of people being like, I wanted to be a vet, I wanted to be a doctor and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Stuff. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I loved fashion. That's so interesting. And I love that. I was quite the same when I was young and I wasn't too sure, but I knew I loved fashion. And yeah. can I ask, when did the whole fitness thing and yoga become mm-hmm. part of your life? Yeah, so I grew up in a country town. And when I was growing up, are we always, we grew up in quite a health-oriented family. And, you know, we're allowed to have sneaky treats every now and then but predominantly it was quite healthy and so I was always interested in like the health like health food and stuff like that and as I kind of got a little bit older it kind of become unhealthy I was so obsessed with healthy foods and exercising and stuff I went to high school and then it just kind of got out of control and I actually at the age of 13 or 14 I got diagnosed with anorexia and depression so what was once like a healthy habit or healthy environment soon became quite an obsessive uh, mental kind of environment for me. So I kind of got into this really bad place of, yeah, this eating disorder and over-exercising. So obviously not eating enough and not getting all the nutrients to my brain. So I ended up developing depression quite young. So that's kind of, and then in year 10, it got really out of control. And I got to a point where my parents were actually like, Tell you are not well you have to quit school and kind of work like work on your recovery or go to hospital and stuff like that so it was quite a long battle of that and then that's kind of how I on my road to recovery I guess you would say is when I started doing yoga and but back then it was kind of probably more unhealthy I was kind of doing it more to burn calories I didn't really 
work out the connection of like the mind body but I just kept doing it because again I was so obsessed I had OCD so it was just something that I would do and if I didn't do it I would scared I was going to get fat yeah it's quite like a a head head fuck I suppose yeah. you would say yeah yeah and then so on my road to recovery I kind of was seeing psychologists I was getting more into using health as medicine so obviously using food as medicine and then using fitness not so much to lose weight or if I ate something to lose the calories I was more using health and fitness and yoga in order to help my recovery so I was trying to train my brain that I needed it in order to survive so that's when I became really passionate about yoga health and fitness and so that's how I kind of got into that area of my life. Oh yeah, my through. goodness. Yeah. God, so how long did it take you to overcome your anorexia and depression? Yeah, look, I would like, I'd love to say it took like, you know, two years or anything like that. But to be honest, it's probably something I dealt with from the age of 14 and probably younger, but I was diagnosed at 14, probably 14. And to be quite honest, I reckon I didn't fully recover from that until I was about 27. So it was constant. It was just always there. Like I got out of the, the really, really, really unhealthy stage probably when I was like, you know, maybe like 19, 20. But then after, you know, your early 20s and stuff like that, it's already quite hard and I suppose like social media it wasn't really a thing then but like magazines and like you know Mary Kate Olsen and all these really unhealthy fashion Mm -hmm. idols that I loved they were like in the media so to have that pressure as well you know it was like a certain look that you you know that certain skinny kind of fashion look that there was back then so it was still kind of in the media that I still dealt with a lot of things so I don't think I fully recovered until I was 27. It's so interesting because obviously when you're a teenager to being 27 your body changes so much you know. 100%. 100%. Puberty. Like I lost just, my period. Oh everything. My God. Did you lose your yeah, period? Yeah. I lost my period from, so I, when I was early teens, obviously I went on the, back then like health and wellness, it wasn't like as talked about as what it is now. So I'd go to the doctor and he'd be like, if you want your period, you have to go on the pill. And back then, like at that age, we were like, oh, you go on the pill to make sure you don't have period pain, don't do this. And so they would put me on the pill to get my period back, but it obviously wasn't coming back naturally, which is not very good for your body. Yeah. So I went on the pill to get my period back. And then I think I went off the pill when I was like 17 because I, back then, I did a lot of reading about how bad the pill was for your liver and all that kind of stuff. And I went off it and I was kind of trying to work to get it back naturally. And I I was just so underweight that it just wouldn't come back naturally. I think I got it back when I was like maybe 26. Wow. Um, yeah. So you just so much damage to your body it's crazy oh my goodness that is hectic it is hectic oh my god well I'm so glad that you've come out the other side yeah 100% and that's another reason why I'm so passionate about you know fitness and health and using health to kind of feed your body and stuff is because I've got that story and I don't want other women to be where I was because it's not a nice it's not nice to be that unhappy and not well absolutely no that's terrible and and what advice would you maybe give to someone who might be struggling with their body image oh man I get I get asked this question all the time it's really hard because it sounds stupid but it's hard for me to answer because when I was in that if anyone was ever giving me advice I would literally I'd be so mad at them and I would against them it's this weird thing that if someone's telling you something you just don't want to listen to them Mm. I put myself back in that position I'm like oh man if someone told me you know gave me advice I'd want to tell them to fuck off (laughs) but but now like if someone if I was to give someone you know advice I'd be just to be honest I would just ask them are you happy because the answer 99% of the time they're going to say no and at the end of the day I feel like happiness is the most important thing in life for you know yourself 
for to be successful, to live all these pillars, fit under happiness is so important. So I probably would ask them, look, are you happy living like this? Because I can guarantee they'll say no. Yeah, wow, that is so powerful and something yeah. that sounds so simple, but it's a question that could definitely be answered in a you know a different way that would just tell it yeah. all. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. What were you doing prior to launching Tully Lou in 2013? Did you study or were you working, and how did you kind of deal with all of that with everything that you were going through as well? Before I launched Tully Lou, so obviously I was still I was doing a, like a lot of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of yoga and I, so I actually didn't go back to school. I quit school in year 10 and that was really the focus on my recovery and stuff like that. So I didn't go back to school and I realized the whole passion for fashion came back and I was like, oh, nah, this is what I want to do. I want to do something in fashion. So I ended up signing up. So crazy because back then, because I didn't finish school, I thought that I was too stupid and too dumb oh, to do anything. No. no, it's crazy. And it's this thing that I just always had in my head. I'm like, because I don't know what it's like now, but back then it was like when, you know, you have to do year 12 in order to get into this course. You have yeah. to do year 12 to do this. So I literally thought, I was like, shit, I didn't finish year 10 let alone year 12 I I'm too dumb to go do anything else oh my god so I knew I wanted to do fashion but I was like oh my god to go to RMIT which is one of the universities here in Melbourne and they have an amazing fashion course I was like there's no way I'll be able to do that because I didn't finish year 12 so I had this like thing in my brain that I just couldn't do anything I was like I'm gonna have to be a hairdresser I can't do anything else no so anyway I ended up finding a private fashion institute in Melbourne and it was called Melbourne School of Fashion and I ended up signing up there and I did I started off doing fashion business because I kind of thought I was really interested in fashion buying I love traveling I love seeing new fashion trends and stuff so I was like oh my god fashion buying would be like my dream job so I studied fashion business just to learn like the back ends of all that and then I finished the fashion business course and I realized I wanted to learn more and I wanted to stay longer so I ended up doing garment construction and pattern making which I hated pattern making (laughs) I'm not a numbers person at all I love the sewing I loved all that stuff but the pattern making I was just yeah it wasn't something that I enjoyed yeah And then halfway through that course, I actually had a family friend working at a clothing production company called Voyager in Melbourne, which back then they did all the clothing production for like Curly, Witchery, Cashel, Seed, all these amazing like women's brands. Yeah. So I had a family friend that worked there and there was a position coming up and it was just a junior role, but it was, it was my foot in the door. And a lot of the girls that I knew worked there were all fashion buyers and all that kind of stuff. So it was a foot in the door and I ended up um, finishing my course at Melbourne School of Fashion. And then I went and worked at Voyager and I actually learned so much more working on the job than what I did studying. So I stayed there. Yeah, yeah, I stayed there for a little while and just learned the ins and outs of like fashion production, the buying. Mm -hmm. And I learned quite a lot about shipping from China into Australia. I made some really amazing contacts there. Amazing. So I was there for a little while. Yeah. And on the side, I was still doing yoga a lot. And then I kind of got to a point at that job, I was ready to move up in into another role. And I was kind of getting bored with what I was doing. And so I remember going to my boss then and I was like, look, I love working here. I I know I've got so much more potential and I want to, you know, work my way up or whatever. And she was like, we absolutely love you. Like, you're so amazing and you're so dedicated, but there's no roles for you here at the moment. Because a lot of the women that worked there were all mothers and had been there for like 20 years. And they weren't really moving. So there wasn't really any opportunity for me to 
kind of move up. Mm-hmm. So from that point, I was like, hmm, well, maybe I'll start my own thing. And so I actually left that job and my dad was so angry at me because he's like, you left a full-time job where there was room for you to move up into the industry and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I don't know, I just had this burning because I was so bored and I was like, well, I'd always had this thing that I wanted to work for myself. I soon realized working for a big corporation that you kind of get lost and it's really hard. So yeah. I, yes, on that day I decided that I was going to start a activewear brand because I was doing yoga on the side and they were my two passions. So obviously health and fitness and yoga and fashion. So I was like, how can I merge the two together? So in 2011, that's when I came up with the idea. and worked on it for a few years and then officially launched in 2013. When I first launched, though, it was probably more a yoga brand. It wasn't really activewear. Like, you know how now activewear is like very streetwear and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was kind of more activewear. And back then, when I officially launched, it wasn't sportswear, activewear, yoga wear, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't really a thing like it is now. Like, I think I launched around the same time as Style Runner. Oh my so, God, wow. Yeah, yeah. So you can kind of imagine when I saw a niche in the market for what I was producing, obviously Juliet Style Runner did as well. So we kind of launched around the same time before the massive peak of Fort Lux or Athleisure yeah, or whatever you want to call like, it now. Yeah, it would have been prior to all of that blowing up. It was. Yeah, it was. So I we've kind of, you know, been there from the start and it's definitely evolved since then but it's also been fun and that's kind of my journey my story before launching that is really cool and it's so interesting how you said earlier about like learning on the job I just feel like Mm -hmm. that is the best way to learn and you know so many people are like how do I get into this how do I do that it's like get an internship go find a job like a low-level job just work and work and work and you'll get the experience that you need it's just so different to you know theory because you're like working on the job so like you make mistakes and then you've yeah. got to learn how to fix those mistakes yeah. and they don't teach you that stuff when you go to uni or whatever no, they don't. so so it was definitely fun and I'm so grateful for what I learned and working there and the connections that I made and stuff yeah but like I said working for a big company I don't think is for me unless it's my own company <laughs> but <laughs> But not um, not for anyone else. Yeah, I feel you. And yeah. going, so you had the idea in 2011 and you launched in 2013. So what were you doing during that time to prepare to start the label and what steps do you think are kind of like imperative during those planning stages? So going back to when I had the idea, I kind of knew that I needed another job on the side because I actually didn't know how well it was going to go. Yeah. So I ended up packing my bags actually and going to America. I went to Los Angeles and I went to study Bikram yoga for um, over two months. Oh my God. Because I thought, I was like, you know what? Yoga has helped me on my recovery. And if I'm going to start a women's brand, I also want to bring the element of yoga and health into the brand somehow. So I actually went over there and yeah, learned how to teach yoga. And then I taught in America for a little while. And then I came back to Australia and then started working on the brand. But obviously, I was teaching yoga on the side because I needed income coming in so I could live. Yeah. So I was teaching yoga on the side and then working on the brand. And it was actually quite good for me because I was teaching yoga most days. I was watching women's bodies every day, the way they moved, the way things sat on them and all that kind of stuff. So every day for me, I just like would always think of ways that I could enhance a a woman's body or how can I make leggings sit better than what these? So I was always, when I was teaching, I was always thinking about, like I was present, but I was also (laughs) thinking about 
the brand and how I could incorporate my designs into, you know, into the yoga room and make women feel amazing. So that's what I was doing. And then I officially had finished like my whole range and I'd finished all the patterns and stuff. I actually didn't do the patterns. I got someone else to do them. Um, and because <laughs> that is not my jam, but ended up packing my bags again. And then I went and moved to Bali for a little while. I took my mom and then that's how I found my first factory. So I always had this thing. I think I said before, I love traveling. Mm -hmm. So I always had this thing that like working overseas would be amazing and living overseas. And so I literally just packed my bags, went to Bali. I worked my ass off over there trying to find a factory and a supplier that would be good quality and easy to work with and obviously spoke English and stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, stayed there for a little while until I finished the range and then came back to Australia and then literally just started selling the range. And that's kind of, yeah, it. Oh, my God. And so what was yeah. it like trying to find the right manufacturer and did you kind of leap from a different one after that to grow? Look, it wasn't easy and I had this thing in my head that, like, I was going to move to Bali and find someone straight away and that's just not the case. Yeah. To be honest, I was really lucky. I've got a really great friendship of friends who are also, you know, in the industry or I hate to use the word, back then maybe socialite influencers. I don't yeah. know what you want to call them, but I've got, amazing, I've got amazing friends in Melbourne that know a lot of people that I've been introduced to. So I knew of, do you know Zoe from Mr. Zimmy? Yes. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, one of my friends knew Zoe and she was obviously based in Bali with Mr. Zimmy and I actually reached out to her on Facebook and I was like, and I usually don't do this. I'm, I've changed as I've gotten older and I'm a bit more business savvy and stuff. But back then I always felt bad asking for help or asking for things because I just thought it was rude. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, and but at that point, I was like, nah, I need to like, I'm about to start a business. I need to just let that go and just ask. So I remember messaging her and I was like, hey, like I want to start this active web brand. Do you know of anyone? And she gave me one contact. And then I ended up contacting her and we had a meeting. I show, I put everything out on the table, had all my designs, everything, told her the concept of the brand. And she was like, this is so amazing, but I actually only work with leather and handbags. So handbags oh, and shoes. Right. And I, she's like, honestly, I'd love to help you, but I just, I, I can't. Like, she's like, this is so cool. And I, I think you're so talented. And I love these designs, but I just can't help you. And I'm like, oh my God. So I remember leaving and my heart just like, she was the only contact that I had at that time. And my heart just dropped to my stomach and I felt sick. I was like, I've told everyone back in Australia that I'm moving to Bali to start this label and whatever. Mm-hmm. I was more worried about other people. It's so stupid. <laughs> but um, <laughs> We all are. But, yeah, <laughs> it's, so, it's so dumb. Yeah, I left and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to start again. Like, So I remember the next day we drove around on a motorbike for a while and I went to a few factories and there was no one there. And then I was just like, I literally, I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. And then I remember getting back and I had a WhatsApp message on my phone and it was the girl, Miriam, who I'd showed my stuff to and she messaged me. She's like, hey, I want to meet up with you again. I've got someone that can help you. And I'm like, okay, cool. Wow. I ended up going back to her and she's like, hey, actually, I've had a thought and I think your stuff is really awesome and I'd actually love to help you. And I'm like, oh my God, are you serious? So then that's how I found my factory. And I worked with her for quite a while. Then unfortunately, I had to leave Indonesia because we were growing too quickly and they just couldn't put up with our production numbers and stuff. So I had to leave Bali 
unfortunately. And then I moved my production to China. Wow. After maybe like, I think maybe two or three years. Yeah, after I launched that we moved to China. So, wow. yeah. That's not like yeah. a very long time either, like two to three years. Like that would fly. Yeah. We had a few like really big accounts that ordered a lot of stock, a few in Australia like Style Runner and stuff. And then I had yeah. a few in America like Urban Outfitters. I designed wow. some stuff with Soul Cycle and a few other brands, businesses in America that their quantities were just too high and they were just so slow in Bali. And yeah, um, yeah so I had to move quite quick with that. Oh my goodness. And so when yeah. it comes to preparing a label, what is it like with startup costs? Did you save prior? Did you have someone mm-hmm. help or invest? Or how did you go about, yeah, getting it off the ground? Yeah, well, I'm quite lucky. When I turned 18, my dad is a stockbroker and he had some shares and he sold some shares when I turned 18. And same with my sister. And he was like, look, this is your 18th birthday present. You can do what you want with this. If you want to go travel, you want to buy a car, you want to do whatever, then do this. And I've always been obviously business savvy and stuff. So I just kept it. Yeah. And cause I, I knew I didn't want to go on a big holiday to Europe. I'd already kind of done family stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I didn't really have anything else to spend it on. It sounds ridiculous, but I kind of just kept it over like time and knew that I wanted to start something. So I can't even remember how much it was. It wasn't a lot. I think it was like 15000 or something like that because yeah. I ended up just saving and just leaving it. Because I think a lot of people think when they start a business, I don't know, it could be, it depends on what business it is, but I feel like some people just think you need so much money. But yeah. back then I was like, no, I'm just going to start. This is going to be my side hustle, whatever. So I ended up just using money that I'd gotten for my birthday. And, right. Um. And then I didn't really have any business plans. I'm kind of that annoying person that's like has an idea and then I just go and do it. Otherwise, I can't stop thinking about it. So I just do it. Yeah. And it's so funny. I've got a business partner now and she's actually one of my best friends. Back then, I started it by myself, but now she's come on board and we are totally the opposite. Like, I'm like, no, let's just do it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And she's like, no, 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 no. We have to write down like our what like all this stuff I'm like no I'm like if it doesn't work it doesn't work she's like no no no, we need and I'm like oh it's just so annoying I I was never like that I just kind of had this idea and just did it and I kind of had this thing in my head I was like if it doesn't work then you know what it's only money I'll just work my ass off to repay myself back wow yeah that's how it kind of started wow and so what mistakes have you made then in business and what have you learned from them? (laughs) Man, uh, how much time do you have? (laughs) Look, I have made a lot of mistakes and I think if you run a business and you say you haven't made mistakes, I think you're lying because, yeah, yeah, 100% I've made a lot. I think at the beginning, I, again, I think I said this before, again, in the beginning, I was too scared to ask for help because I felt like by asking for help, I was failing. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of things that, especially numbers and all that kind of stuff, I am so bad with. And there was a lot of things that I probably should have asked help for or um, like invoices and stuff. And yeah. I didn't. So I think with stuff like that, my number one kind of tip would be get some help with the things that you're not good at. So the things that I'm not good at, I either we either get someone in to come and help or I, you know, I get my business partner to help or whatever. I think asking for help is key and don't be embarrassed and don't think you're failing if you do ask for help. Yeah. So that's one mistake. Two, we're going through a massive legal battle at the moment with China due to trademark issues. Oh, Uh, no. Yeah. So it's been going on for four years. So 
Another mistake that we made is we didn't register our tray, our name and all that kind of stuff in China, which was a massive mistake. And now someone's actually bought it and we're fighting that for them to get it back. <gasps> Long story, but that's a mistake that I wish we hadn't have gone through. And I mean, there's so many other ones, but those two are probably like the wow. biggest. You know, just little things like, you know, manufacturing mistakes that slip through your fingers and you're like, well, how did that happen? And yeah. Stuff like that happens all the time. Yeah, they're probably my major, our major two mistakes. Wow. Yeah. God, it's not all smooth sailing, is it? No, but I feel (laughs) like in, you know, I feel like there's only a certain personality that can, I talk about this all the time to some of my friends that run businesses and they're like, you know what, there's only certain personalities that can run a business because those kind of things, this sounds weird, but things like that, mistakes or problems, I kind of like, I hate them, but I kind of thrive off them. Like I love problem solving and being like, how can we fix this? And how can we make sure this doesn't happen again? As much as it gives you so much stress, I kind of thrive off it as well. It's the weirdest thing. Um, Even if I'm, even even if I'm not sleeping at night, it's it's so, (laughs) it's like, it is, it's so stressful, but there's something about something about the whole thing that I, I kind of love. I think it's the outcome and you're like, oh, or something to look back on and teaching other people don't make that same mistake that we made or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I get you. That's great. Yeah. I love that. That's so funny yeah. as well. You're like, I haven't had any <laughs> so sleep, sick. but it's fine. Yeah, I know. I sick, <laughs> like, I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so how does your brand differ from others in the same category? So I feel like our brand kind of, we're actually in the middle of a rebrand, but I'll talk from like more past experience. But I feel like for us, I feel like my story is something that we use a lot for marketing and for the brand mm-hmm. in just from my struggles and why I started the brand to inspire women and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that's a little bit different. And also my teaching background, like I said before, I look at women's bodies when I'm teaching and kind of work out what designs in my head can enhance the bodies and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that's another advantage of our whole brand. So like I said, we're in the middle of rebranding at the moment we're kind of focusing more on like real women and just basic core items what I've found over the last probably year is more of the fashion forward stuff just doesn't sell anymore because you have all these big brands like cotton on and whatever coming in and you know kind of making similar products for a much much cheaper price and you just can't compete with that anymore and so we're kind of focusing more on lots of black which Melbourne people love yes Um, yeah lots of black and just more core items focused and going up to XXL um, is something I'm really passionate about yeah so I feel like that we kind of differ from other brands in those ways. Yeah, that's awesome. And how do you continue to come up with different designs, you know, each collection? Yeah, I mean, for me now as a designer, I listen to a lot of feedback from our customers. I was really, really bad at taking feedback and listening to customers because I started the brand because I wanted this stuff and it was all, as a designer, it's very easy to do. Now I really, really do listen. And I mean, Instagram is such a freaking amazing platform because I can literally put up a few stories and be like, hey, do you guys prefer padding in crops or no padding? Do you prefer mid waist or high waist or what do you prefer? And then literally I have you guys answering the questions and it makes it a lot easier for me to design because I know it's what you guys want. Yeah, right. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment in regards to my the way I design and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's good because you need to listen to what like oh, 100%. Because they're the people that's buying everything. Yeah, exactly. And like yeah. I said, I was not good at that. 
over the years, now I've learned, nope, I need to listen to what people want because you guys are buying. Totally. And how often are you dropping new collections? So we will drop a core collection twice a year and then fashion forward injections with just maybe like four four pieces or five, maybe twice a year as well. We're just kind of in the middle of looking how that kind of looks out because we have kind of rebranded, but that's what our ideal, our drop will look like. So, yeah, we're kind of focusing on that at the moment. Interesting. Also, I want to let you know I have one of your pieces I bought last year. Oh, yay. (laughs) Yay. I'm still obsessed with it and I I want more. Oh, my God, amazing. I really want more. Amazing. It's it's like that retro kind of like bomber vibe. I think it's called the Henrik sweater. Oh, yes, yes, It was like the blue, pink and black kind of one. Oh, Oh, my God, God. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Because I saw Cute. it and I was like, oh, Rosa. I was it, it. Did Rosa have it on? Yeah. Rosa posted it once. Yeah. Yes. Rosa posted it and um, literally, I think we sold out in like two minutes. I mean, that girl could wear a bloody paper bag and sell out of it. So, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. I love just that whole vibe. When I saw it, I was like, I need that right Yay. now. I'm like, that me all over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I still wear it. I'm loving it. So good. Oh, my good God, on you good. There. Thank you. I want more retro, so just. Uh, I know. Okay, well, I'll have to put that down. <laughs> Amber wants more retro. Yeah, exactly. No, I can do that. That's I love designing stuff like that. Like, that's the kind of, like, design like designs I love to do so um, I love it's it. good to know yeah, yeah I like to throw it back yes same oh god I love it I'm so into it yeah. and so your um compression active pan is super popular oh my god yeah. so yeah. tell me about this piece and why it's in your kind of cool collection there like I said before we're kind of in the middle of rebranding and we soon realize people are just shopping and stuff a different way now and Obviously, certain circumstances, we're in the middle of a freaking health pandemic yes. and, you know, a, a lot of people are shopping very differently. Mm-hmm. Mid last year, before all this craziness happened, we were kind of like, okay, we need to do something about Kalilu. Like, it's obviously however old now and we kind of need to change up a little bit. So, that's when we came to the decision of just doing core pieces and stuff. And I really, really was passionate about making one pair of legging that just looks so good on every single woman, every single shape of leg, everything like that, and just super comfy. They were, they were in development for quite a while and they're the best things I've ever put on. And I'm not just saying that because they're my brand, but honestly, like so, so good. So, we just kind of wanted that one key piece of or one legging that we could work from for future collections that yeah. just fits amazing, doesn't go see-through, looks amazing on every single person. And the feedback we've had is, and also um, obviously the fabric quality has been amazing. That took us quite a while to develop the fabric. So yeah, they're going to be part of our core collection. And then we're kind of going to use those as future styles and a basic block pattern for future styles and stuff like that. Because the feedback we've had has been so amazing. Yeah, I'm super, super proud of uh, the development of those leggings. Oh my God, shit. Okay, I need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, well, they're coming back. They're coming back in stock start of September. So. Okay, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Great. Good to know. Thank yes. you. <laughs> Put it in my calendar. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and so you also launched a maternity line yeah. within Tully Lou. So that's fantastic. And what can mums to be expect from these pieces? Yeah, so that was another thing that 
I found there was a niche. I haven't been pregnant, but I know that there was a niche in the market for maternity activewear. And one of my girlfriends has had three children. She's very active like myself and my business partner. And I remember she came to me four years ago. She's like, look, there is no good maternity activewear. Can you please make something? Can we like, I'll help you. Can you do something like there needs to be something? And I was like, look, honestly, like back then, I just didn't have enough factories I was working with. I just kind of moved to China. I was like, I honestly, I don't have time to develop anything else. Like, I think we just need to focus on what we do and then maybe a few years down the track or down the track, we'll work on that. And then she got pregnant with her third child and I think he's nearly one. So I can't remember, maybe like a year and a half ago, she fell pregnant and she came to me again. Okay. I said, okay, this is a perfect time now to launch this. So I actually worked with her on developing the range. So all her experience in being pregnant and like I said, she's very active as well. So she was like the perfect person to kind of design it with. So we wanted to create this streamlined, really high-quality maternity active wear that didn't fall down with nice fabric and just basic pieces that were quite hard to get. But like I said, it was the quality that we kind of really wanted to focus on because there was a lot of brands doing it, but it was really shitty fabric and stuff. So we just kind of streamlined it down and just made sure the quality was amazing and the fit was right. And now it's just a staple part of our brand and it always will be there. So, I mean, eventually down the track, we might do different colors, but I think with maternity wear, it's just as as simple as it is and Mm -hmm. as comfortable it is, is the most important thing. Totally. And I feel like it's kind of almost hard to find, you know, I'm not pregnant. I've never been pregnant, but from what I've heard, it's just yeah. like so hard to find good quality material. Yeah gear whatever it is yeah yeah apparently well yeah exactly right apparently that's what I got told as well and I was like that's crazy but it's also very hard to develop because a lot of women are like oh I love the band over my belly oh no I don't like it over my belly it makes me sick I like it under my belly I like it over so it's quite hard I I found it hard to develop as a designer because I just like there were so many people, no, yes, no, yes, and probably do different colorways and stuff one day. That's great. Well, good on you for doing that. That's really great. Yeah. I'm sure there's so many, like, mums that are like, thank God. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely out of my comfort zone, but it was fun to do. <laughs> yeah, totally. And yeah. so Tally Lou has also teamed up with I Equals Change. So yeah. tell me about that and how that works. Yeah, so I equals change. Uh, Sarah, who's my business partner, and I, we've always been really passionate about giving back, but we just didn't know who to partner with. There's so many charities and stuff that you find out. You don't know if they're getting the money or it's just like, yeah. we're just really hard. We didn't know where to start. So I equals change. They launched, I don't know, like two years ago. I can't remember. They're quite a new company. And basically, the founder of that approached us and was like, this is the concept. Let me know if you want to be involved. We're about to launch and stuff. And it was actually around that time that we were actually talking about giving back to charities. And basically, what it is, it's an online platform that you go on our website. So, just say you order our compression leggings. So, you go onto our website, order the compression leggings, proceed to checkout, you pay or whatever, and then you'll go to the next step and you'll be like um, a dollar from uh, a dollar from Tallyloo. So, from our pocket, mm-hmm. a dollar from Tally Lou will be donated to your charity of choice. And then there's three charities of your choice. And then you basically choose what, whichever one resonates with you. And then you just click that. And then you can also choose to put more money into the donation from your pocket if you like. But if you don't, that's fine. The dollar goes from us. Wow. And then you choose your charity. And what the one thing that I freaking loved about this company and it kind of, I was like, no, we have to go with these guys is once you donate your dollar in two months time, you actually get an email notification from them to say, Hey, this is where your dollar went. You fed 
10 young girls in Africa or wherever it is. So it gives you updates and you can choose to keep going with the charity, donate more, and then they'll update you again in three months' time and be like, hey, you just supplied 10 pencils for a school or whatever it is. So you're constantly getting updated if when you donate, where your money went and all that kind of stuff. I kind of like that because it's a lot of charities, you just give your money and then you don't know what happens with it, like I said before. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to get an update. And when you're choosing your charity, it's obviously something it could be. I can't remember the ones we have at the moment because we con- we constantly change the charities depending on what's happening on in the world. So like yeah. sex trafficking is always something we've got on there. And then the two other ones, I can't remember which we changed. I think it was the bushfires maybe was one. So it's just like whatever resonates with you. Yeah, they're a really cool company oh that's awesome good on you for doing yeah. that that's a great thing yeah, to, nice. to have um going so good on you yeah that's awesome yeah let's talk about some of like the big wins from having mm-hmm. your own brand and milestones so yeah what are some highlights isn't it funny when like someone asks you about your highlights and your big wins it's like a lot harder to think about yeah. than your negative stuff I know so, oh. it's so wild so one win I think early on when I had the brand I managed to get a pair of leggings on Judy Hadid before she was like freaking Judy Hadid like she was I mean she was like Gigi but not to what she is now and I think that's probably one of my highlights because I again I hustled that and I just like I said at the start I'm like I was never all about that hustle life thing because I was too scared I think maybe because I was young I don't know we managed to get a pair of leggings on Gigi and then she was wearing them around Los Angeles and I travel to LA quite a lot for work and we were traveling there I can't remember if it was there or not, but she actually was wearing them and she got tapped a few times, but she was wearing them. And one of these girls asked her, she's like, Oh, where are your leggings from? She's like, Oh my God, they're a brand called Tuli Lu. They're Australian. Oh and my like, God. She, she actually remembered them. And I was like, That's cool. And she told this girl, anyway, this girl ended up emailing me and she's like, Hey, like, I just ran into Gigi and she was wearing your leggings. I'm like obsessed with them. I work at this PR agency. And I was like, Oh my God, we'll just send you a pair. Wow. Anyway, from this day, where um, one, Gigi wears amazing, but from this day, the girl from the PR agency is actually one of our really good friends now, all because of Gigi. Yeah, it's crazy. What? So, yeah, yeah. It's so wild. So she's actually one of our really good, not Gigi, but this girl is yeah. actually one of our really good friends now. That so that was funny. But hilarious. having her in them was amazing. Um, probably number two would be being on Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week in 2017, I think it was. Right. As a child, like growing up, I kind of, I always would dream about having stuff on the runway or, you know, being involved in a runway of some kind. And then when you start a sportswear label, you're kind of like, oh, that's not going to happen. Because then you just think of runways as like couture and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So yep. I, and obviously athleisure and stuff became such a thing that they created a runway show for sportswear so that was fun that was probably number two highlight and then number three I mean there's been so many highlights but number three we did a design collaboration with Soul Cycle in the United States which Soul Cycle yeah Soul Cycle are a massive organization in America like spin classes and stuff and we did a big collaboration with them a, a couple of years ago which was cool so that was probably fun as well there's so many things you just so funny when you run a business or stuff like that there's so many amazing things that happen but you soon forget them because you're always thinking about how can you do better yeah they're probably my top three that's amazing and it's so funny about the Gigi thing like she's bringing people together I know (laughs) I was like this is so crazy and it's and we oh yeah it's we laugh about it all the time I'm like 
I can't believe that I'm friends with you, Mallory, because of Judy Haddad. This is crazy. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love that. That's so yeah. good. <laughs> I know. What a legend. <laughs> what a legend. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm really keen to know more about, like, your kind of personal style and mm-hmm. beauty favourites because your style is very cool. It's a vibe. <laughs> and I love, like, how you kind of, like, can dress up for events but then you can go like really casual and cool and you just look freaking amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh my god. <laughs> so like what's your go-to like look? What in terms yeah. of, you know, clothing or whatever? Yeah. Oh my god. Can we just like once just go out for a night? Like I'm so over <laughs> quarantining. Like I would love oh. to dress up and go out. Oh. Yeah. So my style, I obviously I love like kind of street style. And then I love to kind of pop it off with like vintage pieces. I'm a massive vintage piece. Like I just love vintage shopping. Like I am mm. currently wearing at the moment like a, a vintage leather bomber that I bought from Tokyo. I don't have been to Tokyo before, but the vintage shopping there is phenomenal. Wow. So I kind of love street time high fashion maybe. I don't follow trends as much. Like yeah. Sometimes if it's a trend that I like, I'll like go for it. But I'm I'm not massive on following trends. I like to have my own style. So I'm probably I would call my style like street style times like vintagey kind of vibe. Okay. Time sports. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. And do you have any fashion? You know, favorite fashion labels or designers that you like? I love to mix and match things. Like I'm not. I love like street stuff like I'm loving like Balenciaga at the moment like obviously the street stuff yeah who else do I love like I love Fear of God Essentials which is American world I love a lot of Australian fashion but I feel like Australian fashion is a lot of evening wear and stuff but yeah they're probably my favorite I feel like Essentials and Fear of God I used to um really love Off-White but then Off-White became such a thing and everyone's wearing it now I'm kind of off it yeah Yeah, I'm kind of off it now yeah it's kind of more those kind of street kind of loungewear brands, I would say. Yeah, I like Like, that. I'm a massive fan of Virgil. So, oh. I feel like every time he designs, like, Louis Vuitton or someone like that, that's why I think I love Off-White so much. But then it just becomes so mainstream and I'm like, yeah, Ugh. Yeah, everyone but, yeah. has, like, the belt. Yeah. And, like, yeah. All the bags, all the hoodies. And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm done with that now. <laughs> <laughs> You're, so, you're basically off, off-white. <laughs> Yeah, literally. I'm like, see, I don't like following trends. I liked Off-White like years and years ago when no one was wearing it and yeah. now everyone's wearing it. Like, I bye, next friend, please. <laughs> Bring out a new one. Yeah, so exactly. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> and so what beauty products are like staples for you? For me, I love, I don't know if you've seen my brows, but I've got intense brows. So mm. I love like a brow soap. Cool. Um, mass- it's like I feel like you could go very minimal and then brush your brows up and they just sit forever and it just frames your face in a different way. Yeah. So I'm loving brow soap. I love my cousin actually is a I don't even know what you call her a cosmetic scientist. I don't even know, oh but she just created this skincare brand that is actually not launched yet, but it's all got CBD and like like hemp and CBD in it. So I've been obsessed with that at the moment. Nice. I love products like Jane Iredell BB cream and stuff like that um but yeah probably brow soap is like my number one favorite thing I like that that's a good one yeah that's like a massive favorite with like makeup artists as well yeah and so cheap as well and it just just does something different to your face yeah and you only use the tiniest bit it goes a long way yeah yeah it really does 
So good. Yeah, great product. And so what's coming up for you for the rest of the year and into 2021 as well as the brand? Oh, oh, oh I have no <laughs> idea. Oh, my God. I have no idea. It's so weird this time. So yeah. we actually just launched our own podcast. So I suppose working on that awesome. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I would love to be able to travel again, but <laughs> who knows if that's going to happen. Yes. You know what? I would just focus. We're about to launch our whole rebrand and new collection in the next couple of weeks. So I suppose launching that and just seeing how that goes and just designing and finishing designing spring, summer, all that kind of stuff. But you know what? Like I don't have any, any massive plans for the rest of the year because at the moment I'm literally just living each day by it comes Mm -hmm. because shit changing, shit is changing so quickly in Victoria. Um, Not so much for you guys, but here like stuff changes so quickly that it's really hard to plan for next week. So um, I just would really hope that I can have Christmas with friends and family at this stage. That's all I'm kind of hoping for, but it's really hard to plan anything. Look, no one saw this coming. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. I know. I know. I can't believe it. It puts everything into perspective. It really does. It does. I'm feeling for all of you down there. Like I've got friends and family down in Victoria and it's just, it's so tough seeing the update, you know, every week and every day. Oh, oh my God. Like it's horrible. You know, we just want it to be over. I know. I literally feel like we're in prison here because we have like curfews and allowed out yeah, oh at eight p.m. It's 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 really really wild, and I never in a million years thought that no. we would be kind of ruled like this. It's really yeah, yeah it's quite crazy. So the- um, I've actually had to mute all my in- interstate friends, like their stories and stuff, because it's actually quite triggering seeing everyone else living their life somewhat normally yeah, um, yeah. and we can't so I, I had to say to some of my friends I'm like I'm so sorry but I have to mute you because I it's actually a trigger yeah it's I hard no that's totally yeah. fine like it's it's tough like I can only imagine how hard yeah. it would be you know when you're, you're just like kind of stuck living the same kind of day yeah. you know it's a like groundhog day really yeah. is yeah and, yeah and so how also on the back of that how has the brand gone with everything happening this year I am so so grateful that we're in active wear we have actually had one of the strongest years we've had oh in a God. very very long time so Amazing. having said all this shit stuff about what's going on yeah it's crap and all that kind of stuff business-wise it's actually been amazing so oh. so so grateful for that and I'm grateful that we are in the active wear space and I'm not in the evening wear space or going out clothing or anything like that yes very grateful because I've got a lot of friends that have clothing labels you know evening wear yeah. and stuff and they're struggling hard so yeah I feel for them so much and I'm just so grateful that we are selling stuff and it's actually kept me a little bit busy as much as this whole time's been shit I've been very lucky to still be working and obviously selling so yeah extremely lucky oh that's good well that's that's yeah positive it is a positive I know not everything's negative Tully (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's positive yes so I thought I would jump into a few random questions for you to end things Okay, so would you rather live without coffee or sneakers? Oh, my gosh, you're really hitting me with the hard questions. <laughs> oh, can I take one sneaker and the coffee? No. Oh, my God. One sneaker. Oh, no, that's so hard. If you know me, you know how much I love coffee and how much I love sneakers. That's why I asked. It. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, look, I'm going to have to say oh this is gonna kill me I'm gonna have to say sneakers because I feel like with coffee maybe I could just slowly 
to get off it and it's probably going to be better for me if I choose sneakers than coffee. So let's choose sneakers. That's really hard. So you would rather live without coffee? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow, that's a big one. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, that wow. is really hard. Well, at least you can, like, have tea, you know. Maybe. Exactly. That's Fair what I'm thinking. You can have, like, matcha. I feel like sneakers, you ain't seen me walking around in Crocs or Birkenstock. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, my God. That's so good. Oh. Okay, uh, number two, what's the most sentimental thing you own? I have, I've got two things. I've got a ring that was my grandmother's. Um, I feel like that every time I wear it, I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I feel, I get like all warm and fuzzy. It's really weird. I probably say that. And then I have a Chanel boy bag that was probably one of my first designer bags that I bought myself. And I feel like to buy like a designer bag like that, that's going to be like a forever item and you know that you paid for it with your own money I feel like that's also really sentimental so I'd probably say those two things oh nice that's yeah that's a good like balance yeah, yeah it's cute I love it that's so cute and number three would you rather be the funniest or smartest person in the room I'm gonna have to say funniest Good one. Why? I'm going to say funniest because I feel like I could work on the smart thing. Like being funny, (laughs) (laughs) being funny, it's like, I don't know, funny people just make you feel good and like, but, and you could work on being smarter. (laughs) You can't work on being funnier, you know? Yeah. You're like born with it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, so I feel like I would go the funniest. That's a good one. I like that. That's a good answer. Yeah. Tully, you have been amazing. Thank you so much for chatting with me. And I can't oh wait God, to see you. everything that, that happens with you next. Yay. Well, yeah, let's um, yeah, be exciting. But thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.